Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today, we welcome on to the podcast Maggie Pig and Nathan Cook Jr. as the PKs take over the podcast. So stick around and we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Hey, well, uh, today on Pontificating Pastors, uh, Nate is out of town. He's actually taking care of his pastoral responsibility to take some teenagers to camp. And so uh, uh, the Midwest City Church has taken a a group of teenagers in a 15-passenger van to a camp in in Oklahoma. And uh, he's there, I'm sure playing all kinds of games in a big field and helping with the worship services and all those wonderful things that that happen at teen camp. So today, his son, uh, Nathan Jr., and uh, my daughter, Maggie, hi, um, are here with us, and they're going to talk about uh, some, they're going to pontificate, if you will, on some ideas about what it's like being a pastor's kid. And so... Uh, uh, Nathan, let's get started. Just uh, what overall, you know, right now you're studying at Southern Nazarene University yeah. to be a uh, to be a pastor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a senior pastor, a youth pastor, associate. What's your thoughts? Um, right now, lean more towards youth. Not exactly sure. It's very flexible right now, so not a hundred percent sure. There's a lot of different opportunities, and I feel like I could do a lot of them, but I just don't know which one supposed to do yet so okay well you know we hear horror stories from time to time about pastor's kids you know yeah um there's even colloquialisms or uh phrases within our culture that talk about uh that 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 guy's worse than a a pastor's daughter or whatever you know yeah (laughs) and uh, so there's always this kind of uh uh understood you know pastor's kids tend to get in trouble is is what we've seen in the past uh did you ever get in trouble um, not really that much. I did in middle school a little bit. Um, just never that much trouble though. A lot of times it would just be, I give my parents some attitude because they didn't like the girl that I was talking to then or whatever. <laughs> um, but in middle school, I, I didn't really get in trouble in high school hardly at all. Maybe like once freshman year, but got in a little bit of trouble, but not much. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of depends on what church you're at, kind of the church (laughs) around you kind of like shapes, like if you're going to be a troublemaker or not, I think a little bit just because like our church, we're very like lucky, like all the people, they're like so encouraging to our family, uh, to me and my brother, especially. Um, I actually taught for my dad last night um, to the adults while he was gone and afterwards, like Everybody who was there either came up and shook my hand, told me good job, or came up and gave me a hug um, afterwards. 
Um, so just having that support from them really helps instead of just feeling like you're in a, like they're just all judging you and expecting you to do something to be somebody. So. Okay, good. Maggie, how, how, uh, I mean, Nathan's going to, he's studying to be a pastor. So obviously his experience of being a PK, uh, hasn't been too terrible. Must've been at least positive enough that he yeah. uh, was willing to answer a call to ministry. So, uh, Maggie, which is your, uh, just tell us a little bit about where you're headed uh, with maybe, I don't think you're going to be a pastor. You haven't told me that you're going to be a pastor, <laughs> if that's the case. Um, but kind of maybe some calling. And then your experience of, uh, of the church. Well, um, I'm not, at this point in time, I'm not going to, I don't feel called to ministry. Um, actually, I'm going to be a senior in high school this year. And I went to study speech pathology. And because I believe that communication is super important and I just want to be able to like help start that from like early childhood. So I think communication is super important um, in your relationship with Christ. So I just, I just want to like be able to help kids with that. And so I thought that speech pathology was a great way to do that. Um, But forever people, there's a show called Pastor's Daughters and everybody's always like, oh my gosh, Maggie, you're a pastor's daughter. Like, are you like super wild? Are you crazy? And like, I'm just not like, I don't know. I've never really gotten in trouble. Breaking the rules really scares me, but I definitely agree with what Nathan said that your church, like the church that you're involved in definitely like shapes the way that you are. So like, I've always been a part of super supportive like churches and like, I've always had like an amazing church family to like guide me and stuff. And so, yeah, I don't know. I like being a PK. I like it a lot. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's, yeah. that's encouraging to me. I think, Nathan, you, you basically said the same thing. Yeah, I enjoyed, enjoyed growing up. Yeah. Good deal. You definitely, like, I came into the internship program, and we were required five hours a week um, to intern. And I'm like, I've been doing more than this my whole life. Like, I've been, <laughs> yes. to, I've been required to come early, help set up, stay later, <laughs> everything. I'm like, five hours, that's easy. And I yeah. went way over that every week. So. Um, so, um, just kind of seeing how some other people, like they don't like, they aren't pastors, kids, they kind of were like five hours, like they were just getting that. And I, that just baffled my mind. I was like, I'm so used to just being at everything. Like I've been doing this pretty much my whole life. Like since I was old enough to lift a table and some chairs, you know? Sure. Sure. It's kind of comes with the territory, huh? Yeah. The, uh, uh, Maggie was having a conversation. She was telling me about it earlier uh, with some folks who were uh, talking about, uh, they just were describing the situation where we were all at the table and so-and-so came by and then so-and-so came by and, and all these people kept kind of flowing through our front door. Um, Maggie, you want to kind of uh, tell Nathan about that, that story and see, they'll get his feedback on it. So I was at a camp out and we were just telling stories and, um, I was talking about like a particular time when like lots of people were coming in and out of my house and like they didn't they don't people don't really knock they just kind of like walk in and they're like these three families on our street that kind of do it and so I was like telling them about it and I was like yeah and then my godmother walked in and then our friends the Mendezes came in and then uh, the youth sponsor from my church was like wait let me like fill everybody else in and she was like there are like three families on their street that just kind of go in and out of each other's house just kind of like hey, I'm here, and they just kind of show up on, like, a daily basis, and um, I think my dad being a pastor has definitely um, opened a door for that and, like, given a real, like, 
segue to community, I guess. Yeah, do you find that that's true at your house? Do people just free flow through your through your space, Nathan? There, there's a little bit more of an announcement, but my dad's like, hey, just give me a heads up. Somebody's coming over today. Um, <laughs> but he'll call me and give me a little bit more of a heads up than that. But yeah, just um, people who want to be in connection with the pastor and be able to talk to them. Um, and like, especially being a pastor's kid, like at all the different events and everything, you talk to so many people. I think it's really good. Some people don't have some like kids our age, teenagers, um, young adults our age don't have those social skills to just talk Mm -hmm. to random people. But like with Michael Pig and my dad, if you're with them, they're, you're not getting out of talking to random people. Cause you're, no kidding. Especially if you go to Six Flags. Like. Oh my gosh. You can't walk three steps without running into somebody they know. Yeah. As soon as I was old enough to just go off on my own, I did that because I wasn't going to ride any rides if I stayed with my dad. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, well, that's good. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, that uh, you've had a similar experience of that because sometimes my kids get on my case about, you know, Dad, can we just go somewhere? Do we have to talk to everybody? And and I get this frequent question, and you probably ask your dad before, do you know that person? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I've and the answer, my dad that a few times. Yeah. And, and then the answer is not always yes. Sometimes I, I met them in line. Um, but that just seems to be, seems to be the way uh, pastor's kids – uh, experience the world is, uh, it's all, it's all church. Yeah. Yeah. It's all church. Do you, do you guys like that? Is that something that, uh, that you would change if you could, or are there aspects of being a parsonage family as it were, um, that you would change? No, I absolutely love like the community and like how close everybody is and like how they're always just here and like coming in and out. Like I love this community that is surrounding me. I don't know. And it really, that's like one of my least, like one of the things that I look forward to the least, like when I go off to college is that like, I'm leaving behind this like super awesome community and I haven't really gotten to be a part of it that long. And so I really just, I'm going to definitely miss that, but I wouldn't change a thing about it. Yeah. I don't (laughs) think I would, I don't think I'd change anything. Um, sometimes I wish other people were as passionate as my dad. Um, and that, um, cause sometimes like I can see that he's really wanting to do something and he's taking, he's trying to get everybody else motivated to do that. So that's one thing is just, um, just knowing how passionate he is about things. Um, and when he does find other people that are just as passionate, that's just really awesome to me for him to, um, find those other people that are as passionate as him. Um, that's the only part where I would kind of get a little discouraged being a pastor's kid. It's just seeing that fire in him and him trying to find other people with that same fire. I would definitely agree with that. Like I want, I want everybody to like have as much passion for the church and for like, like the same love for Jesus that my, my dad shows. And like, I don't know, it's just incredible. Like, like dad and Nate's friendship is so incredible to watch because I feel like it's just, they just grow so much every time they're together, every time they talk. And it's just really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't expect to be complimented so much in this podcast. I was, uh, I was wondering. Um, I was sitting here thinking about just times that we, as a family, encountered ministry together. Um, and in the past, uh, the the pig and the the pig family and the cook family have encountered ministry 
you know, we, we haven't all together been in the same place on a mission trip or at camp or anything like that, but parts of our families seem to be together. And uh, so we've enjoyed ministry together over the years. But um, I think maybe uh, General Assembly, Nazarene General Assembly was probably the only time that we're uh, all four of you and all five of us were in the same place at the same time. Um, but the, and that was a that was one of those events where you couldn't take five steps without running into somebody that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the church becomes our family so much so that uh, even our our supper table has from time to time become a place uh, where we just we invite people to. Um, and I remember one time that there was a young man. He uh, stopped by the house. We were about to have supper. We just invited him to come and sit down, and uh, we were eating supper together and talking, you know, how's your day, you know, asking the typical questions. Uh, and I know that, that, uh, Paula and Nate, they really like to have everybody at the table, uh, as often as possible. Um, and do this, have this ritual of how, how was your day? Tell me what's going on with you. And everybody kind of takes turns sharing. And this young man in the middle of us talking said, is this staged? <laughs> and, I remember that. and we were like, what? And he said, is this, are y'all just doing this for me? Like, is this how mealtime is? Or did y'all, are y'all just, did y'all script this? Or is this like a play? Is this like, what, how's, is this really happening? And we were like, well, yeah, it's happening. Does this happen all the time? Yeah, it happens pretty regular. Uh, at least three times a week, we like to sit down to the same supper table and have supper together. You know, school schedules mean that we don't eat lunch together. Breakfast is on the run. Uh, but about three times a week, we have a meal together. Did you find that to be something that was important in your house? Yeah, Ethan? that was. Um, like, we would always have dinner together. My mom, she makes a rule. Um, no cell phones at the dinner table. Um, yeah. So even when it's not just our family, even when we invite other people over, she she won't let other people on their phones either. <laughs> 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 like our, our friends, they all know not to get on their cell phone while we're at dinner. Um, but yeah, my my parents have always wanted to just open up their and be able to give what they can and invite people over um, and just be able to, to fellowship with people. Um, especially since we got this new house, like I feel like our doors are just like always open to people. Like one of one of my friends, he's a, he's gonna be a sophomore. And uh, Christian, he's going to be a sophomore. He uh, he was in the car with one of his friends. The car died. And it was a Wednesday night. So he walks to our house like a mile, knocks on the door. <laughs> he's like, hey, can I stay here till church? We're like, yeah, sure. They were like, we don't care. <laughs> got him got him some food, got him some water. So it was pretty hot out. So just knowing people know that our house is open and they just – um, just enjoy having people over has really been a great thing in our house. Just being able to fellowship with all different types of people, young kids to adults to elderly people. It's just amazing just to hear everybody's story from different walks of life. Maggie, what is maybe one of the 
sometimes we've had some crazy things happen at the house because I'm a pastor, um, because of my role in the church. You guys have kind of been subject some to some crazy stories, and so uh, you know, obviously change the names to protect the innocent. But uh, but is there is there one crazy story in particular that you're reminded of? Um, there are a few, but the one that uh, comes to mind, like the first. Um, so my dad was out of town. I believe he was at Naz Night actually, and um. I was a year too young to go, and so my brothers and my mom and I were like, okay, well, if dad's getting to do something fun, we're going to go do something fun. So um, we kind of made a day of it, and it was like a Friday, and so after school, we went and ate at our favorite restaurant, which was like 30 minutes away, and like we never really got to eat there because it was far away, and like we were always just busy. So we went and ate, and we were coming home, and we were laughing and having a good time, and um, my little brother Jonah opened the door, and a kid who we all knew but weren't really close with, um, was sitting on our couch and I kept my laptop in the back of my closet and he had my laptop out and he was like eating food and stuff. And he was watching something on TV that we knew we weren't allowed to watch. And we, it just like shocked us. Cause we didn't know that like he was in there and we didn't know what to do. So then Jonah and I just kind of left and we're like, um, mom, like, what do we do? And my mom handled it so well. Like I'm so impressed with how she handled herself, but, um, she just kind of was like, okay, well, um, used to the kids she was like okay you just kind of stay here and she took us all into her room and she called dad and like we just kind of had to work it out and um again like the community of the church really just like wrapped their, its arms around us and like really just like helped us out there and like we got it all taken care of and everything was okay and we were safe it was just a really scary really scary time and and I remember like other times people would call my dad when they felt unsafe and my dad would be like always be there like he would always be there for them but that definitely did put him in danger and sometimes and so I remember like times when dad would go and like he would help help a young lady that was in like a an uncertain situation and um that I don't know my dad's just always been there for people and it's just been really cool to see how like like he's the first one they call but that definitely is scary for like us as his family just to see him like going out and, like, helping people, but we just aren't super certain of, like, the outcome of that situation. <laughs> but it's always been super cool to see how much people are, like, how safe that my dad makes them feel. Like, like oh, if I'm in trouble, I know I can call Michael. But, yeah, that definitely was scary. And there have been some scary times, but God has definitely taken care of us, so. Yeah. So that kid was a runaway, and uh, and it was, a, it was a foster care situation, and so. There was a lot of legality there, but with like about two phone calls from the <laughs> from the Six Flags theme park in uh, Fort in Arlington, I uh, made two phone calls and one parishioner and a and a senior pastor, and uh, it was taken care of. Uh, and and that young man is he's safe and sound even to this day. He still contacts me, uh, but uh, yeah, kind of put Shelley and Maggie and Jonah and Judah in a precarious situation uh sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's but it's always crazy being a parsonage <laughs> family uh the phone the phone rings all the time and the door the doorbell rings at weird times uh, but uh, have you experienced that nathan um yeah we've we've experienced some um some scarier times when our church got burnt down that was definitely mm. a scary time because we didn't know who the person was if they were out to get us if they were just we found out later that it was just a teenager who was um just 
it was close. It was a church close to his house, so he just felt like doing it. But we didn't know if somebody was after us, so that was definitely a time where I'd wake up, go to school, I'd see my dad on the couch. Um, he'd be watching a movie or something because uh, he couldn't sleep because he didn't know if somebody was after us, and like I had trouble sleeping for a little bit, just not knowing who who burned down our church. Were they gonna take us? Net like were they gonna try to take our house next or what? So. Just kind of that that fear for a little bit, but um, but my dad he really handled that well, um, that whole situation um, with trying to love um, that kid um, and just carrying our church and not letting our church just kind of fall apart through that. I think we actually gained people attending our church even without a building, and we could just really see how um, his leadership um, impacted our church and could, um, even through like those tough times, um, kind of that beauty from beauty to ashes thing, um, how he can, uh, he can just take a bad situation and turn it to good. Um, but yeah, that was definitely probably one of the most scary times. And just after finding out who the kid was going to high school with him, um, that was definitely a tough situation there because ran into them, ran into him in the hallway one time. He was like, Oh, Hey, I know you. And I just had to keep walking and couldn't do anything about it. Cause I knew I couldn't just punch the kid in the face, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gotta be the bigger person. Gotta show him love. So have, um, have you ever felt the pressure to be the bigger person because you're a pastor's kid? Um, Sometimes that in that situation, definitely, because I knew that me acting in that way would not show him the love of God and that um, that would make me no better um, to act in a violent way. Um, So, yeah, I think then did um, on the basketball court. um, Not always. So (laughs) that's that's the only time that I've pretty much lost my temper. Yeah. I've never just like socked anybody in the face, but I'll I'll shove them around, give them a couple elbows or something. But <laughs> most time it'd be like one of my best friends, and then be in basketball practice, and we were both just super competitive. Like we almost we would get into a little shoving match about once a week at practice. Our coach would yell at us, "Quit it, you two!" And then we'd go hang out after practice. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's probably the the main time that I felt that pressure um, to do that. but Well, to be fair, Nate doesn't really behave himself in the stands at your basketball games either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, he, Neither he, does my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up because, as mentioned before, I'm a little afraid of Paula. Um, but uh, would you would you say that there, there are more people that are a little bit afraid of Paula? Uh, yeah. I think every girl in our youth group was – afraid of my mother. She, <laughs> she's just a mother bear and, uh, yeah. she's so sweet, but her eyebrow raise, if you try to mess with her babies, <laughs> don't, don't mess with her babies. And, but no, she really does. She can be intimidating, but, um, like once, once you get to know her, she'll love you with all her heart. So, um, well, she can, she can be intimidating for sure. And I think she, she knows that, and I think she—that's what she used to try to do to scare away the girls from us. Um. 
<laughs> well, I think Maggie could probably say the same about her mother. Oh, definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We uh, we, we probably need to have a pastor's wives uh, rendition of the uh, podcast. That would be really funny. See, but we're... Nate and I have talked about that off, uh, you know, off tape, and talked about uh, just how much trouble we think they might get us in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for they, sure. They for would, sure. They might. They might not. Uh, you know, do very good at keeping up appearances. Do you feel like ever there was just a, a need to keep up appearances uh, in, as the Parsonage family, as the uh, as the pastor's family, just uh, pretending like everything was hunky dory when it really wasn't. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, especially in like middle school and high school, I just kind of felt like, um, like kind of as the pastor's kid, like you live in like this glass bubble where everybody in the church kind of knows your business. So you kind of feel a little bit of that pressure, but um, I never felt like so much pressure that it just like. I never felt so much pressure and such strict rules that it made me rebel. That's what I think a lot of the kids, they just have so much pressure on them to act a certain way or so many rules that their parents or their church does to try to ensure that they act one way. And I just think sometimes all that pressure can lead to the typical pastor's daughter, pastor's kids. Um, But I never felt it. I felt a slight just because like, it was probably more my own thinking than was actually put on me. Um, if that makes sense. Like I put that pressure on myself. I felt like I had to do that more than um, people actually put that pressure on me to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think I've never really felt like so much pressure that I w- wanted to rebel or anything like never anything like that. But I definitely do get what you're saying. Like, like where you put that pressure on yourself. Cause like, Anything I do reflects good or bad on my church and on my family and on my dad. And um, I never want to do anything that's, like, that reflects badly on the work that he's done because I know how hard he's worked. And so I feel like a lot of that, like, the temptation to rebel and stuff, I never really felt that because I just wanted, I just wanted people to see, like, hey, my dad is really cool and he's doing all these great things. Like, look at the work that Jesus is doing through him. And so I really just wanted my life to kind of, like, because my life is a direct representation of, like, his parenting and, like, uh, the what, the rules that he set for me and stuff. And um, my church has always been, both of the churches that I've really would say that I've grown up in have been super accepting and super supportive of, of anything that I've done. So I think that that's always just been, like, like, oh, I need to act right for them. Like, like I need to set an example for, like, the kids below me. And, like, I don't know. Just I want to make my church and my dad and my family proud. So. Yeah. So, so you're not getting in trouble, doing the right thing, all those things. Uh, would you say that they uh, that they come from a place of gratitude? Are you grateful for the life you've lived? Definitely. I think that um, I'm super grateful. I'm a pastor's kid because I don't think that I think that um, having my dad be a pastor is set like an example of um, like how I want my faith to look because. Um, both of my parents, my mom and my dad. My mom's not a pastor, but she might as well be. Yeah, um, she's incredible. Um, but the example they've set for me um, in the church and out of the church has really like shaped my faith. And especially after we moved here, I felt like um, my faith kind of became my own, but definitely without their examples. And even Nate and Paula's, the example that they've set 
in my life has definitely like influenced me a lot. Um, so I'm super thankful that I've had these these close connections that um, have influenced my faith and helped me to grow. Yeah. What well, Nathan, you yeah, concur? You? I, I agree with that. I think that um, just seeing my parents' example of how to love other people, how they love each other, how they love me and my brother, um, just seeing their example of how to love and how to act in a Christ-like way, um, I think that really helped encourage me um, when I had doubts about whether I was called to ministry or not, um, because I did look up to my dad so much that I was like, yeah, I just want to follow what he's doing. Um, but then I, I wrestled with that and I was like, no, this is, I do have a calling, uh, to ministry. Um, and I was able to see him and look up to him for that. Um, even though I got to see, as a pastor's kid, got to see some of the not-so-pretty sides of church and ministry. Um, I still felt encouraged based on his example and how he went through those things and how he, um, him and my mom have both just, um, even through those challenges, they've still overcome them with Jesus, of course. But um, <laughs> just being able, to, being able to just see their example, for sure, has influenced me and... Um, uh, just shaped my whole life, honestly. Okay. Do you, uh, you both have brothers, uh, that are just not that much age difference in them, but, um, or not that much age difference between you and Tyler, Nathan, and you and Jonah, Maggie, mm -hmm. uh, Maggie happens to have an extra little brother in this scenario. But, um, do you, uh, when you look at them, do you think that their experience of the church is a positive one? I'd say so. Um, my brother, he's he leads worship for our church, um, and that's something that he, I think, wants to keep doing uh, in the future. Um, he doesn't know what he wants to do yet. Um, he doesn't know if ministry is what he's supposed to do or if he's just supposed to. He's um, told us that he still wants to be involved in the church. He just doesn't know if he's um, called to a full-time role or just helping out in the church. Um, as a volunteer, but he has definitely uh, made it clear that um, I think he could agree with everything we're saying um, and that he would, um, that the influence that they've had has also influenced him with his decisions too. Okay. Um, I definitely think that the church has had, like being a pastor's kid, I think my brothers would agree with my experience of the church and they've had definitely a positive experience. Um, Jonah, since we've moved to San Marcos and been a part of Wayfinders, um, Jonah has started like helping with the kids and stuff. And it's so cool for me to be able to watch and like see his, um, his passion for these kids and how he wants them to know and love, um, Jesus, like, like he does and how, um, he just wants them to experience God's love and God's grace. And that's been really cool to watch. And, I have a really specific story about Judah. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so sweet. So we were at a Good Friday service and um, Judah's always been the sweet. He's just so sweet, just adorable, the sweetest kid ever. And we were at this Good Friday service and they were serving communion and um, they were going to serve it in a big group or you could get it yourself. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be a disruption. I'm just going to sit down and they can, I'll get it in a minute. And Judah went over and he was like, no, Maggie, we need to do this. And so he went over and he got the communion and he like, he like gave it to me, like served me communion, like said, this is, um, 
the blood of Christ spills for you, take it and drink. And like, he said everything right. And it was just, he, and then he prayed and it was just incredible for me to be able to see like God working in and through my little brother and how much, how much he loves Jesus. And it was just really great to see that. And, um, they definitely help me grow in Christ every day. Just the examples that they've set for me. And, um, I hope I'm doing the same for them, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So is there anything that you think that maybe, uh, that pastor's kids have access to or get uh, rewarded with or uh, just some benefit <clears throat> to being a pastor's kid that maybe you wish that your friends had gotten to experience? Um, I would say the community side of it. Like, I've always just been a part of a community, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> like, even when we moved in, even when we moved to San Marcos and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be a part of anything. I'm going to sit and be bitter. Y'all watch. <laughs> like, even then I had this community that was just there. Like I had no choice but to be a part of it. And I don't really want to think about <laughs> where I would be if I didn't have that community. But I definitely like wish that some of my friends had access to this. And my parents do a great job of including them and making sure that they do have access to this community. And, um, but I wish that lots more people had access to this kind of community, even adults like that aren't really my friends, but like, I wish that they would mm -hmm. have access to this community too, because I feel like it's just so, um, it's like my great cause of witnesses. And I'm just really grateful for that. Okay. Nathan, is there any kind of, you know, backdoor behind the scenes thing that you experienced that you thought, yeah. you know, you wish you could share with others? Um, just kind of being able to go home and at night, if I'm wrestling with something, I can talk to my dad about it and just being able to have some deep, like theological conversations with him. Like even before I went to SNU, we'd go get coffee sometimes, or we'd go be driving in the car and we'd just start talking about different things. And I'd ask him questions about things I didn't understand, things that confused me. Um, and then after I came back from SNU, I remember one time, we were talking about a bunch of different stuff and I was telling him all the stuff I'd learned in class. He's like, Oh, this is so much fun being able to just have these like deeper theological conversations now with somebody else at the house. So, um, I just say being able to just have those conversations and being able to ask those questions. Um, because, um, like y'all talked about on one of your last episodes about sometimes people don't, um, they kind of act kind of weird around the pastor. They can't feel like they can just ask them whatever, but just like being able to go home and ask those questions. Cool. Well, this has been uh, Pontificating Pastors with Nathan Jr., Nathan Cook Jr., and Maggie Faith Pig. And I am Michael Pig, and today we are missing Nate Cook, but I, I imagine that when he takes time to listen to this week's podcast and do some editing, that uh, he's probably going to be very proud of some of the wonderful things that is son has said about him. Uh, I know I'm sitting here, uh, you know, there was a couple of times when Maggie was talking, I had to, my eyes welled up with tears. <laughs> what a blessing to have. Uh, I didn't expect to be so complimented, uh, but uh, we, we all know that uh, this is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. And uh, we've just heard our kids testify to that. So it's been good to be with you. Hope you enjoyed listening. You guys take care. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.